When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Nosotros, the podcast about San Antonio and South Texas politics, history, art, and cultura. I'm your host, Elaine Ayala, Metro columnist for the San Antonio Express News. My guest today is Adan Medrano, a chef, a food writer, an author, and a filmmaker. His book, Truly Texas Mexican, A Native Culinary Heritage in Recipes, was a finalist for the Book of the Year Award by Forward Reviews. And his other book, Don't Count the Tortillas... We always counted the tortillas and how much everybody was going to get because it was a battle. But it's called Don't Count the Tortillas, the Art of Texas Mexican Cooking. It was named among the eight best Mexican cookbooks to read in 2021 by Spruce Eats. His culinary and historical work has moved the needle in how to understand what it means to be American. And by American, Medrano includes 15,000 years of indigenous traditions. He's a graduate of UT and the Culinary Institute of America, and he's in town for a CIA event that he'll tell us about. I encourage you to go to his website, adanmedrano.com, to read more about his incredible life, his academic and professional pursuits from the White House to the Vatican, and especially his documentary feature film, Truly Texas Mexican. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Elaine, for having me. I'll start with the way so many conversations in San Antonio began. Adan, and it's the way San Antonians first assess one another and the one that we have to get out of the way first. Where did you go to high school? Okay, that's the first question. Okay, <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm from the West Side. Yay, West so West Side, San Antonio. I, uh, I went to Holy Cross High School for a couple of years, and then I transferred and went to St. Anthony High School Seminary. Um, I, I loved the attitude that we had in the west side first of all we knew we didn't have paved streets they were mud streets later they were paved but when they were mud streets we uh, we knew that we were not in the rich part of town but we knew that we were unique i uh, i have memories of uh, all the community coming together my father used to haul uh, vegetables from the neighboring uh, uh, farms, bring them to market. And so he would hire people from the West Side, our neighbors, to come and help clean it, wrap it, and get it ready. So even though we had those mud streets, 
I learned from that from that point being on the west side of San Antonio what community means, what community means tied to economics and the stories that we exchanged with one another while we were cleaning onions and all that was very is very important. So that's the story of my of my high school. Um, one of the themes you've explored, in addition to the ancient lessons in indigenous cooking and cuisine, is is getting beyond Tex-Mex. Oh, Tex-Mex. Mm. And understanding food as an art form. Talk about that. Right. I get a lot of questions about uh, Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex, T-E-X hyphen M-E-X. And... Uh, I cook in my kitchen and when I cook in restaurants and at events using my mother's kitchen as my culinary compass. My food, I call it comida casera. It's not just me calling it. People who cook it call it comida casera. We know what that means. It means the uh, flavor profiles that uh, our ancestors, the original people to step foot on Texas soil, the first ones to step on Texas soil, began to cook with 10,000 years ago here in San Antonio. That's what I call our food, and it's not Tex-Mex. Our food is not a hyphenated cuisine, nor is our community a hyphenated cuisine. We are a total uh, people, and we are a total, we have a total cuisine. By that I mean, when I call it, I call it Texas Mexican food, because it is both uh, Texas and it is both Mexico. Those two words are indigenous words. Uh, Texas is means Estejas is the original Caro Indians from Southeast Texas, from East Texas. And Mexico, of course, is from Mexica. So they're both indigenous words. And our food comes from this land. It's the native food of Texas. It's the first food of Texas. We roast. Uh, we do uh, barbacoa de pozo, the, the earth ovens. And... Uh, if you, if you ask me, what does that have to do with, with Tex-Mex? I'll say very little. Tex-Mex copied us. Uh, Tex-Mex is a beloved cuisine. I, um, I was first asked about it by the, by Tim Carman from the Washington Post about four years ago, five years ago. And after he interviewed me, he wrote a big article about Tex-Mex and he says, to, to writers, uh, you know, like he was quoting me and others, the, the, the border is non-existent in terms of food. We know it exists as a border, but in terms of food, if you if you are in uh, Brownsville and you have a carne guisada taco and, and, and tortilla de harina with a flour tortilla, and then you step across the bridge to, to Matamoros and you have a taco of carne guisada, it's the same taco. Even though you cross the border, suddenly you don't have different food. It's the same food. What happened is the border came in 1848, but we were already one community on both sides. So um, I like to say that our comida casera uh, shows us how to understand the border in a better way, a more peaceful way. And uh, so we're not Tex-Mex. Um, I could talk at length about that. but I It's so much about identity, isn't it, too? Uh, yes. Uh, our Mexican food is about identity. And... Uh, there are many people who love Tex-Mex, and uh, this this writer from uh, the Washington Post says very clearly, both are good. They're just different. And what I want to do is simply understand the difference. Our food is, has a 10,000-year history, and Tex-Mex begins around 
mid-1900s, and uh, that's a very short history. They start copying the recipes of women who, who develop, developed that and then went their own way. Uh, both are great. People love both. So, uh, But today we talk about Texas Mexican, and it is not Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex is an Anglo imitation creation done very well uh, of our food. And when you speak of food as an art form, it's also so much about memory, isn't it? Yes, I'm glad. You, I'm glad you're asking me about uh, art. Uh, um, I I believe that um, we know the power of food every time we sit down to eat. We know the power of food when we share it with friends, when we salute and celebrate weddings and others. We know the power of food and drink. But oftentimes we forget how powerful it is because it's so close to us. I, I define food as art, meaning in, in this way. Food, when it is art, it is, an, it is a dish that is prepared with such technical proficiency, artfulness, high craft, that it affects social relations. Mm -hmm. That's my definition of food as art. And so in, in our community, uh, let me say this. I see in myself, who am I, my identity and my memory. It takes me back to when I was a boy. I used to, we, we used to have land in, in Nava, Coahuila. Mm -hmm. We owned, which is about 25 miles uh, south of Eagle Pass. And we would drive, I would be on the back of my pickup truck and we would drive from San Antonio. This to before Nava. the laws preventing such kind of travel. Yes. <laughs> there was no bridge. We could go yeah. and we mm -hmm. just showed our, our, you know, our IDs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have cousins and aunts and uncles near San Antonio and I have them in Dehanis and in Waco. And then when I go, when we cross the Rio Grande, I have aunts, uncles and nieces and nephews in Rosita, in Navacoahuila, in Saltillo, because when the border became a border, when the river became mm -hmm. a border, part of my extended family was left on the south and part on the north. And so we traveled back and forth. And one of my earliest memories is in Navacoahuila, we're in the patio of one of our my uncles, and he he's preparing a taco for, he hands it to me. It's a, it's a tortilla, a ground flour tortilla, warm and he he has sliced avocados we has which he has just picked from an avocado wow. tree sprinkles a little bit of salt and hands it to me and I tasted it I was a young boy Ugh. and that was my first taste of, of of those three ingredients and it's so elemental it's it's a beautiful Mexican gastronomy mm -hmm. flavor profile that no other culture has and that stayed with me and then a few weeks later I'm in San Antonio and my mother hands me a nicely freshly made tortilla which she made sliced of avocado with salt, of course, and, she, and I, I tasted, and I'm transported back to Nava. That was mm -hmm. pure memory. Mm -hmm. That flavor grounded me on My this land. My mouth just watered again. Again. <laughs> and that's what art does. Art yeah. te planta, te, te, te estás arraigado. You are rooted in the earth, mm -hmm. in the land. And to me, I knew landscape. Landscape is on the north of the Rio Grande and landscape in the is on the south of the Rio Grande. So it, it's a cohesive, and it's wonderful to think that we're all brothers and sisters on both sides. I know it's a border and we have to respect that, uh, but this gives us an idea of how food can be understood as an art form to give us wonderful memories, to bind us to the land, to connect us to each other because we know we're with, with other people. All of those things are what the power of art can do. 
You brought your beautiful molcajete. I did. And every I molcajete <laughs> has its own history and story. Thank you, by the way, for bringing it because I know it's a precious. Um, it is a precious object. Um, and in in all our families, you know, um, we talk about when someone dies, who's going to get the molcajete? Yes. And um, and it's sacred. And and people know when they're passed up too because they get something else. <laughs> so um, talk about yours. It's beautiful, uh, by yeah, the way. This molcajete is it's a volcanic, volcanic rock. Um, my ancestors are Coahuiltecos from this region. San Antonio has, in excavations, revealed um, communities that have been living here in San Antonio. My our ancestors for ten thousand years. Yes, and beyond, and, actually. And, yes. 10,000 years is safe. 15,000 years is, is safe. Some people in the Gulf say it's 20,000 years. Yes. Uh, so our, our molcajetes were granite because granite is, is the stone that is found in this region. Mm -hmm. But over so many thousands of years, we communicated and traded with, with Mesoamerica that this became more easily used. You can transport it better. Uh, this one uh, belonged to my mother. It stays in the family once, once, once you have it. When you first get a molcajete, you have to cure it. You, you take a little bit of a tablespoon of, of rice, white rice, and you, and you crush it until it's a powder. It'll turn gray. You throw it out, and you keep doing this until the rice is white. And you know that by then, all of the uh, sediment, all of the loose uh, volcanic earth, uh, dirt, has, it is gone, and mm -hmm. it's, it's clean. So that's how you cure it. And I brought it. Because uh, as I grew up, my mother used it every day. We all we all know that. So I'm, what I'm going to do is is is. Ooh, I'm so excited! There's a cooking demonstration. Demonstrate ajo. This is fresh. I just garlic. bought it at HEB today, so it it could be that. Uh, 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 are they paying for that? <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, I did have Erica Prosper on the show and we did nothing but talk about H-E-B because here's another defining question in San Antonio. Which H-E-B do you go to? I don't go to H-E-B in San Antonio. <gasps> I'm sorry. Oh, oh. <laughs> wow. I you know go, that H-E-B has... <laughs> do you go to Whole Foods? I do go to Whole Foods. In, Trader. In, in, in Houston, I, I go... <laughs> well, I like it. And, and we have a fiesta. Oh, yes. A fiesta and, and is a... Isn't that... Um, that's another big... Um, that's another big grocer. Grocer, yeah. yeah. Here in here in Houston, do you have Kroger in San Antonio? We have Kroger in. No, we yeah. don't have Kroger. Uh, Trader. I, Trader. I uh, <laughs> I have I in in my next book I talk about corporate chains. Oh, you do. And how the corporate control of food has uh, affected our comida yeah, casera. I agree. And it's a very large topic. How. Large corporations like HEB and others, I have nothing against HEB, but how large corporations more and more are beginning to control where we get our food, how we get our food. Mm -hmm. No longer can you buy lettuce that you can take home and wash and be sure that there's no chemicals. You have to buy it in a bag. Yeah. They're giving it to you in a bag. Your choices are being constricted, constricted, constricted. Yes. And uh, we could talk a lot about that. In fact, I well, come back. And we can oh, yeah. You know, one of the my fondest memories is um, we lived... Uh, right near, um, when I was a baby and a little girl, before we moved, we lived on San uh, Fernando, right near Lanier High School. And our grocer was at the corner, and it was called Ochoa Grocery. Ochoa. And you could get no better products there. 
It was yes. like you could get cheese that was made in San Antonio. And you could get, for example, if you wanted pozole, you wanted canned pozole, you, you could have three maybe makers and they each had to compete and make the pozole really good. Otherwise, you wouldn't buy it because you had three mm -hmm. choices. Now, with, with certain stores, uh, you have their brand. It's yeah. only the store's brand. Yeah. And you can't. And so to me, the quality goes down. Uh, but but we, that's another discussion. What I'm doing here okay. is, is I'm taking black pepper, comino. And that's even, black pepper corns. Black pepper corns and ajos, mm -hmm. uh, garlic. And this is what I call, uh, it's called the Texas Mexican uh, Trinity of Spices. And uh, it's very traditional to us. If you, if you go to the west side, to the south side, to the north side, to a Mexican-American family of San Antonio, You're going to smell this because when you make dinner, mira, I'm just gonna. Oh God, the, the smell of comino, especially. See that? And oh my even God. The sound, even the sound is wonderful. So you mash this into a paste and you put this, this is what flavors our arroz. This is rice, this is our rice. And you have the Chinese five spice, for example, which is unique to them. Uh, but we are the only people in Mes Mexican gastronomy that have this trinity of spices. Ajo, comino, pimienta. When you go to central Mexico, southern Mexico, they don't have this. Women who live in South Texas, San Antonio, the Rio Grande Valley, and northeastern Mexico created this flavor profile. And it's so unique and it's so beautifully delicious. And there it is. I it's can't tell you the smell I'm getting from this right now. Right now. I, I want some arroz. Yes, arroz, arroz con, con pollo, pollo um, yes. or um, calabacita. Calabacita. <laughs> oh, carne, carne guisada. Oh, so fabulous. This is why food is art. I mean, to do something like this, to, to imagine the flavors coming together so uniquely and so perfectly, this spice combination needs nothing else. This, this will flavor calabacita, carne guisada, and so forth. And this is unique to our community. You smell this in someone's home and you know their history. You know where they come from. That's, that's what art can do. And, uh, uh, Mm, yeah. The other thing about art is that the flavor profile of this was it was created by women. We oftentimes forget that. We think here I know I'm saying this. I it's not lost on me that I'm a man saying this, but with a chef's coat on. I know, yes. Every flavor profile that we have in our comida casera of Texas Mexican food was invented by women. Every technology that we have, roasting, earth ovens, uh, steaming, el comal, all of that, those technologies were engineered by women. And we know that to be true because over time, archaeologists, anthropologists tell us that over 10,000 years, it is the women whose role it was to take care of everything to do with cooking. They knew the garden, they knew what to pick, when to pick, and they were the inventors and the creators of our cooking flavor profiles. And so... So men uh, like you are new to this um, whole profession. <laughs> uh, I think what happens is uh, sexism in the public sphere. Television, restaurants are in the workplace, in the, uh, in the public sphere. Uh, and that's where women are discriminated against. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not listened to. Uh, it's hard for people to accept women as experts. This is a line from... Uh, from uh, the artist who appears in our film, 
Her name is uh, the the. She makes the uh, she makes a wonderful. Uh, delicious grapefruit pie. Oh, I know who you. She's an artist too. She's an artist. Um, her name is Celeste. Celeste de Luna. So Celeste de Luna, I asked her why. Why is it that she says, you know, women are the ones that are in the kitchen all the time, so they're constantly creating these dishes. And if you go to the Mexican restaurants of South Texas, even in Houston, in San Antonio, the West Side, you go behind, they're women because they know how to cook comida casera. And the reason she says that. When you go on television and in the public sphere, men are, have the dominant voice. She says, there's only one way to explain it, sex, sexism. You have to call it what it is. And I think she's right. Yep, absolutely. That um, grapefruit pie also looks delicious in that film. You're in town for an annual gathering at the San Antonio campus of the Culinary Institute of America. Um, thanks for coming to our studio during your break. Um Tell us what's going on there. The, uh, the, uh, the Catholic Institute of America was where I went to school many, many years ago. Uh, right now they're having a, it's called the Latin American Cuisine Summit. And it's a national gathering. They have about 105, 110 registrants from across the country. There are people in the restaurant industry. Uh, one whom I met this morning is from Wendy's. Uh, they're, they're looking at development because, as you may not know this, but in the industry, last year, about in March, a report came up from came out from a major research company, and Mexican food has outstripped all other foods in terms of who trending. can blame them, Adan? Who can blame them? It used to be them. Italian. Yeah. No. No. But now it's Mexican food, and I and told it's them, the tortilla and the taco that's doing that. It's that driving the, yes. it, and salsa and. All oh those God. flavors that we take for granted, uh, the, that when other people taste them, they're so beautiful. So they're, they're, uh, so this cumbre, this summit, is a gathering that uh, people are looking at in order to get what are the trends, where is this food going? And they asked me to come and be one of the presenting chefs. And what I do is I tell them, first of all, Texas Mexican is not Tex-Mex, where you, the, you're one of your first questions, because mm -hmm. I say, this is not our food. You need to, our, our people have been here over 10,000 years, over 15,000 years, and this is a tradition that we have of, of these ingredients. And, uh, and they're very, very interested in this. If you think about it, people in London, people in Michigan, when they think about Mexican food, they think of enchiladas, our enchiladas. They don't think about the enchiladas con mole negro. Of, of, that's too exotic. They mm -hmm. think about our cheese enchiladas. Mm -hmm. And they know about nachos. Nachos are ours. They were invented in God, nachos just are with so Eagle Pass. Good. So uh, I, I, I told them it is, it is our food that really is driving. And so I cooked, I cooked some of our indigenous dishes this morning. Well, tell us about them. What did you cook for them? What did you use in your recipes? I, uh, I cooked uh, with two ingredients that are not very well uh, known by restaurant people. One is mesquite and the other one is sunflowers. The mesquite, I think, I hope people who are listening, I hope you, many of you will have bitten into a mesquite pod and chewed it. I did as a child and it's very sweet. It's beautiful. I cooked a couple of dishes with that. One of the dishes I made with it was enchiladas. Enchiladas and for the for the, for the chili of the enchiladas, I made a pipian ranchero, which is made with chile ancho, seasonings and spices, and then I, I fry it. It's, it's, so it's a beautiful sauce. And here's the thing I, I said I said about this, this uh, enchiladas. 
Lunch. I said I serve it open face. La tortilla is like this, mm-hmm. and then I I season it. I garnish it with the sunflower uh, ch- uh, sunchokes, and I said, and it is the tortilla in the chile that's an enchilada. Mm-hmm. I dip the tortilla in this beautiful chile sauce which I made. It's very complex, and that's an enchilada. I held it up. This is an enchilada. <laughs> enchilada is the past participle of the verb enchilar to saturate with chile. Mm-hmm. And so, so and you she, don't have to roll it up. You don't have to roll it up. It is not a sleeve. It is not a wrap. It's not the fill. The filling is in order to be a foil, in order to accentuate this beautiful chile. And I said, you can have a dry enchilada. When I make the masa for the tortilla, instead of putting just plain water, I put a, in the blender the water. I mix it with uh, chiles guajillos. Oh, that's so delicious! Yeah, and I've they're done. bright, bright I've red. I've seen that done. And they're bright, bright red. Excuse mm-hmm. me. They, they, they are uh, the chile that you use when you want color, not not so much heat. So I put that in there, and I make the tortilla, and you, the tortilla comes out, and it's red. So that's and already, it's already delicious. It's already an enchilada. Es una tortilla enchilada, mm-hmm. but it's dry. So with the wet one, it's you want to infuse the tortilla with the chile, and so those are some of the ideas that are happening at the CIA, and that's why they invited me. They wanted to know what is it that Mexican American families of San Antonio, South Texas, Northeastern Mexico, why what are they cooking, and why is it so influential in the larger restaurant industry? They just need to smell what's happening right in your molcajete and. That's the answer. Um, oh, you you mentioned um, I do pre-interviews with all my guests. So, in our pre-interview, you mentioned a phrase that I found fascinating, and it was generational amnesia. And you used that term in reference to food. Yes. Explain that. Thank you for asking about that. I think it's very very important. Um, when I was a child, I went to, uh, my grade school was San Fernando Cathedral School run by the Salesian Sisters. Oh, yes. And uh, when I was a child, I was taught about Texas history. And the Texas history was Jim Bowie, etc. And my people, who were the first people to settle here, who lived in complex Beautiful civilizations for 15,000 years. We built not, the roads and built the ranches and did all of the and, and cooked business. our beautiful food. Mm-hmm. They weren't mentioned at all. So I, I, my mind is filled with Texas as an Anglo state, and my mind was filled with this idea that Mexicans come from over there. We don't belong here. Yes, and uh, we were taught that very purposefully. This is brainwashing. This is the the Texas uh, Education Project, and so I grew up, you know, as a child, thinking I don't belong here. I I came from over there. This is their land, and um, the opposite is so is true, and it is so definitely true. That's what our food uh, tells us, and now uh, I. That's why I talk about generally general generational amnesia, because. We forgot that we were the first people here. Mm-hmm. Before anyone else, we were the first people here. The food belongs to us. The flavor profile belongs to us. We are not a hyphenated people. And now we're learning that. And uh, we also forgot, for example, to cook uh, uh, with asado, to braise, and to not use so much hydrogenated oil. That's a learned technique that we got from colonization. And so now, le ponemos mucha grasa, we use a lot of fat, we use a lot of frying. That are, those are not traditional 
and they're not good for us. Uh, we have high, high levels of of diabetes in our community. And heart disease. Obesi obesity yes. causes heart disease. And this is from having forgotten. Our generation has forgotten the beautiful foods and the healthy foods that our past generations had. That's what I term generational amnesia. And we have to reclaim it. This is why I'm doing mm -hmm. what I'm doing. And uh, when I cooked mesquite this morning, uh, it's to go back to things like mesquite that Mesquite is highly nutritious. And nopales. And, and nopalitos, oh, they're highly goodness. nutritious. And not only that, but they're delicious. Mm -hmm. And uh, that we have forgotten these things, and it's time to reclaim it. Our lives are at stake. I'm so glad you mentioned this because um, this Friday we're, we're, um, we're recording this podcast right before the start of National Hispanic Heritage Month. And whatever you think of that commemoration, it does highlight the contributions of all Latino groups in the United States and certainly to the culinary uh, richness of this country. We have that. I'm glad that you um, uh, so clearly recognize the culinary art as part of that uh, it's not often done, you know. Every time that we eat, we are making meaning in our lives. We make meaning by what we choose, with whom we celebrate, and uh, I'm very, I'm very happy that food more and more is becoming uh, important and central uh, to our understanding of ourselves. Uh, I, uh, I was invited to cook. At, in Moscow before the war. I remember that. Before. That was fascinating. It was a fascinating trip because to be asked by the U.S. ambassador to Russia to come cook at his residence. Well, if I were the ambassador to Russia, I would ask you to come well, cook too. <laughs> he's you. not He's not dumb, okay? <laughs> so I would say, yeah, bring the Mexican guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, 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 he asked, we were talking about the menu with his staff and I suggested uh, what I grew up eating, la comida casera. Uh, carne guisada tacos. Uh, Check. Ta <laughs> and, and then uh, another taco with puerco en chile colorado, asado de puerco. Mm -hmm. And uh, in, in flour tortillas, not corn. That's right. And with salsas, of course. And and it was a wonderful event. It was beautiful to see the... Um, Did the Russians like To the see tacos? the Russians. They loved it. Of course, they were very careful about the salsas because they, they, they're not used to hot food, but they loved it. 1,500 people in the palatial grounds of, of Moscow. It was the invitation to get because it is the celebration of the 4th of July. And so they changed the colors. The diplomatic corps is there. They play the national anthem of Russia, the national anthem of the U.S. flag. It's very, very ritualistic. Mm -hmm. And then everyone started to eat tacos. It was wonderful. <laughs> well, the, uh, so American. So American. It, it, that is what it means to be American. To me, don't tell me I came from the other side. I am here, and I am here to define what it is that our country is becoming, can become. And the end of all of this is... The boundaries of where you choose for this, for the United States to be are clear geopolitically. But the boundaries of whom you choose to welcome in order to make peace exist in your imagination and they are as porous as, or as rigid as your desire of welcoming. And so that's why I think tacos represent 
what we can be. You know, we don't have to be this or that. We can build a table where all are welcome. We can have different rich foods. So I, when you asked equal, me to come, it was... equals love. <laughs> Thank tacos you. equals love. Thank you. Now, we have more than tacos. That's the only thing. Tacos can also be stereotyped as yes. they have been done for us. Don't you remember? Sometimes they are used against us. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, and I remember that... Um, that there were kids in school that were embarrassed about bringing a taco. Isn't that something? To school when, God, they're so delicious. Later on, we'd, we'd all want tacos for lunch. We were, yes, that's, yeah, that's made, another project. Made embarrassed. That is another project of generation, generational amnesia and the, the um, education project of schools that taught us to menospreciarnos, undervalue yes, who we undervalue. really are. But now... You had asked me about about the film festival and this. A lot of people ask me well, my careers, right? Mm, the you three, had so the many. Three, you had three, so many successfully. Three, well, three careers. Yes, many. But the thread, for example, with the film festival, that I, I founded that in 1976. Uh, this is Cine Festival. And it is um, now, of course, he, uh, Adan gifted it to the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. And it is not only the oldest Latino film festival in the country, it is the longest running. It is the first and longest running. It is the first Latino film festival in the United States. And it is the same passion and the same message that my work in food has. If you, if you, if you, if I, if you ask me about my food, you're talking about my mother, my father, my brothers and sisters. If you ask me about film and the stories that film says, many times in, in, in the mainstream, we are erased, we are ignored, but film is where our stories can be told. So with film and with food, it's the same passion, mm -hmm. it's the same direction. We tell our own stories as we want to tell them, not as others think they should be told. Or perceive us. As others perceive us, exactly. Before we wrap up, I have to tell you how much I loved your film, your feature film, and in particular that segment, and I think you were at Christine Ortega's house uh, in on the west side of San Antonio. Yes. And you're cooking in un pozo, which is a hole in the ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is a long segment because it, it you take us from getting that Cabeza, which you can explain now, all the way to unearthing this thing and then enjoying it. So tell us about that ritual. What a wonderful question. I, we could do three shows on Let's that. Let's do know. three Bye. shows. <laughs> I want to do a show on um, foods and how we buy them. Okay, it's so very, it's that's another. very interesting yeah, show. It's fascinating. Yes, yes. I, I, I'm not a traitor to, and it, it just, although, <laughs> although I understand the feeling and I oh, take it. We, we in San Antonio, um, HEB is beloved. Yes. Well, um, that, that's true also in the Rio Grande Valley. They, mm -hmm. they, they, they work at it. They work at it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, anyway, getting okay, to the pozo. Yes, the pozo. The pozo. Uh, barbacoa de pozo, of course, the technology was invented by women in San Antonio at the almost dam. They have unearthed a, a pozo that was used to cook, and it's 4,000 years old. Wow. And that's eight miles away from where Christine made the pozo for her barbacoa. 
And it's just a few miles away. Yes. But 4,000 years ago, her ancestors, my ancestors, ancestors were doing the same thing. And so um, you literally make a hole in hole in the ground and hers was in her backyard, in her backyard. Many of the listeners will have this experience too. Mm -hmm. you go to the, your background, uh, your backyard, you dig this hole. She explains in the movie how you have to cure it, how you have to do various things. And there has to be enough moisture, etc. It's a technique. It's not just throwing. The and thing. she was definitely the master of the show. What? She just set you aside with just a few words and she took over. Well, as someone told me when we were editing the film, I'm talking about the segment when she was bossing you guys around. <laughs> <laughs> and she was because she knows how to do it. Mm -hmm. And at one point they asked, her, did you learn this on Google? And she says, I would never do that. We go to the way of learning of our ancestors. We ask our elders that's and right. then we keep asking and we keep asking mm -hmm. because that is knowledge that can be trusted. Yes. That's how we've survived. Because it's how we do tamales too. You know, we ask questions and we want demonstrations. Yes. and From people we trust because mm -hmm. we know that's the reliable history. That's it's right. not what's in the books, which is controlled by others. So yes. And, and the bottom line about, about the Barbacoa de Pozo, uh, of course, besides the fact that it is it is a, a technique engineered by women and created by women, is it is a community event. It takes a long time for everyone to help build the pozo, and then you have to watch it overnight. There's drinking, and in the morning, <laughs> every the cousins are invited, and there's this big feast. It's and like the a, tortillas it's like you're come. In yeah, it's, uh -huh. like, it's like the, the, the heavens open up, and then there's this glorious love fest that happens. Oh, it's it was beautiful to watch. It was my favorite part of, of the whole movie. And it's a wonderful movie. And um, there, if you want to at least see a portion of it, go to um, go to YouTube and look for... Um, well, you can go to our the website. The movie has a website. It's called... The name of the movie is Truly Texas Mexican. And the website is Truly Texas Mexican. Dot, I don't know if it's org or dot com, but okay. one and, and and there you can see the trailer and other information about yes, it. Uh -huh. And it was shown on PBS, wasn't it? When it yes, it was shown on PBS. It has it's it has an audience already of over one million. And I think I also saw it advertised on Prime on on Amazon yes, Prime, yes, correct? That's that's, that's right. It, if you have an Amazon Prime membership, you can watch it, but you yeah. can also rent it. You can rent it on What happened was we started showing it at festivals. It won the Audience Award at the Hill Country Film Festival and then in New York, it won Best Documentary Feature. And it was picked up by the Sonoma International Film Festival. So everywhere we went with this People said, we've never heard a story like this before so beautifully shot. We had a very good photographer. And it and is director. beautifully it's shot. Beautifully shot. Is, and it captures our land the way we see it. No palitos, uh -huh. mesquite. And here's the thing. I, I felt like I was watching an Anthony Bourdain-like food experience because it wasn't just about food. It wasn't just about technique. It was about community and culture and history. Thank you. That's uh, I, I, we've been told that before. That's why it won awards when it did so well at all these festivals. Uh, Amazon decided, picked it up, and so they they licensed it, and uh, now it, they're distributing it uh, and very successfully. Apple TV also picked up. They've licensed it, as did YouTube. So YouTube, if you go to YouTube and want to watch it, you can rent it, and uh, Google 
play also rented it. So wow. it did really well in the yes. license. It is now licensed all over the world in both English and in Spanish. And I would love to get um, texts or messages if you watch it. I, it's a story I think that belongs not, it belongs not just to us Mexicanos, Mexico-Americanos, and it does because it makes a lot of people cry. But if you see it, it's a universal story about how all of us choose to be with one another. The final, the final word is in, in this piece, that's a, is let us build a table where all are welcome. I hope that's not a spoiler. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's good. And um, boy, that's so wonderful um, way to close out this podcast. And thank you once again for being here and bringing your precious, your mother's precious Molcajete and um, infusing the studio, I think for the very first time with the smell mm. of the trinity of spices of Mexican-Americans. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>